I think coming to a close to our, our David series, I think there's probably, um, we, we, might, uh, we might have at least one more week where we discuss something about David. We're kind of coming to an end. I, I know uh, in December we kind of really focus in on the Christmas season and the Christmas story and stuff like that. And so we'll be moving into some of those kinds of thoughts here. But uh, we're going to be looking here at all this, uh, some of these things, uh, looking at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. And um, so we, we've covered a, a vast amount of subject over the past couple weeks. Last week we took a look at David's desire to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, several mistakes that he made along the way and the way that he changed to, uh, to, bring, a, and, uh, to bring the presence of God into his life and, and, and how... Uh, you know, he, he tried to do things in, in man's way with, you know, being culturally relative and, and with man's terms and ideas, and, and, and it didn't work. It produced death, and, and he had to change and do it the way that God told him to do it, and in doing the way God told him, it ushered in the presence of God, the, 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 the visible presence of God into, into Jerusalem, and also brought the, the blessing of the Lord along with it. And so, um, you know, we, we, you know, we know that David was a man after God's own heart, um, and, and he loved God. Uh, we, we left off last week in, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, and basically between chapter 6 and chapter 11, um, you have David just going through a lot of war. He's basically going through a lot, uh, defeating a lot of the enemies uh, of Jerusalem and Israel. Um, he's driving out the Philistines and all of the, the enemies of the land. Uh, we, we also see that he honors one of, he takes some time to honor one of Jonathan's, uh, uh, Jonathan was Saul's son, and, and this, there was a, a young man that was a crippled young man that lived in the city, and David was like, how, David, David wanted, and this is, goes back to his heart, you have to pick up the past couple of weeks to really know and, and, and understand what we're talking about, but man, his heart towards Saul, who was a violent man and hated David, he still had such a passion, and he wanted to honor Saul. So he said, is there anybody living in Jerusalem that uh, is a descendant of Saul? And they found that Jonathan had a son, and he was crippled. And so, uh, you know, David brought him in and said, all of Saul's you know, land is yours. All of Saul's property is yours, and you're going to be eating at my table for the rest of your life. And uh, just a really, really good thing there. Um, he goes through some wars, and then we find uh, we're picking up here in, in chapter 11. And, and, you know, we know that David, um, David was always known as a man after God's own heart. I think I find it interesting, you know, one of the things, one of the, um, what, do you, what do you call it? Uh, one of the major defenses of the Bible and, and, and the message behind the Bible is how the Bible never hides the imperfections of the pillars of this religion. Whereas other religions, they try to make their leaders and their prophets to be this gla- these glamorous people that never make any mistakes. If you, you know, read about, other than Jesus, if you read about all the other pillars of our faith, you read that these guys, I mean, did some really weird stuff. You know, like, uh, God is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thinking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and some of the the things that they did in their life that we found, that we know, that were written in Scripture. Uh, even David, a man, after, uh, a man after God's own heart by which God said, you know what, my son is going to come through your line. My son is going to come through your family tree. Uh, and, and you think about David and, and some of the things that he did. Uh, and and there, we're going to read one about one of them right here. Um, 
And, and yet, he still is a guy that we look to, and the Bible records as being somebody who loved God with all his heart. And yet, he still uh, made some, some serious mistakes. So, um, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 1, it says right here, we'll read uh, through verse 5. It says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go off to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, and David remained, but David remained in Jerusalem. And it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking along the roof of the king's house that he saw from a roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is, uh, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So David sent the messenger and took her, and she, became, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from uncleanliness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. <clears throat> All right. All right, so this is, uh-oh. Right? Uh-oh. <clears throat> David's, <laughs> David's got himself in a mess now. I, and again, I, you know, let me reiterate the fact that, you know, this is a guy who's one of the, the main pillars of our Christian faith is somebody here who, you know, who the Bible says is, who, and, you know, uh, gosh, I mean, a significant portion of First and Second Samuel, even Second Chronicles are exclusively devoted to David's life, um, you know. Uh, at least half the psalms that we have in the Bible are written by David. Um, you, you see God's hand upon David's life. It, you, even in reading chapter 6 through 11, we see that you know, David was able to drive out the Philistines and the enemies of Israel because God was with him. All, all of these things that God blessed him and, and did all these things you know, for him. And, and yet here he is in this, in this particular moment. Um, and... And he, you know, obviously makes a huge mistake here. And, and to be quite honest, if you read in depth, if you've kind of been reading through the story of David, you'll actually know at this particular time that David already has multiple wives. Like he's, like it's, he, he doesn't just have one wife. He's got at least two, if not a couple more, and, and probably even some concubines. It was kind of the way things happened, not to make it right, because we see that a lot of the problems, even Solomon, Solomon did the same thing and had a lot of his problems in life because of that as well. And look, I, I'm not sure, um, like, you know, I think about this and I think about what's happening here. I, I'm not sure what the, yeah, like if I'm just being honest, okay, I'm just being honest. David's already got multiple. I, I'm think like I'm thinking to myself, like I like I have a hard enough time trying to figure out one. <laughs> I'm sure she has a harder enough time trying to figure me out because I know I can be right and all amen for the ladies. All right, I'm just saying, like I have a hard enough time trying to figure out one. Why in the world would I want to add more to that? Like, I, I don't know, like, I just, I'm thinking that that's got, and, and maybe, maybe it's the culture, maybe it's because women are more like property and different things like that, so you can just be like, ah, I don't care what you think, you know, I don't care what your opinion is, you know, don't whine and complain to me, it just, you know, just do it my way, you know, like, maybe it was just easier for them back then, 
But David, I, for whatever reason, he just, uh, man, he, I, I don't know, like he finds himself in this position, right? And, and, and it's a really, really bad position. And, and I, I'll tell you this, and because and, we're talking about David, who was already married, who already had a wife, and yet he looks down and he finds this person and he begins to covet somebody else's wife. It was really what's happening here. He, he covets uh, somebody else's wife. Um, you know, at the core of all infidelity, at the core of all infidelity, you will find ungratefulness. Okay? At the core of all infidelity, you will find ungratefulness. Why? Because you're not going to be looking for something else if you're grateful for what you already have. You won't, right? It doesn't mean that um, it doesn't mean that you won't have thoughts in your life, or you won't struggle with thoughts, or you won't deal with some of those kinds of things. Because the truth being known is that you can't. A lot of times, you can't even control the things that the thoughts that pass through your mind, right? You can't control the thoughts that pass through our mind, but you can control the thoughts that you allow to sit in your mind. Okay. Um, just like uh, I think, oh man, I, I can't remember the name. This well-known pastor, uh, like Andy Stanley or somebody like that said, "You can't keep the birds from flying over the trees, but you can keep them from nesting in it." All right. Um, so you you can, and so I, I even I don't know if you a lot. Of, I'm sure a lot of you saw my, uh, a post that I posted this week on 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 Facebook that talked about uh, your thoughts, not allowing your thoughts to become part of your thought life. You can't uh, change some some of the things that you think about, but you can't change some of the things that you um, that you allow to sit inside your mind and to stay there and to reside there, all right. And so, e- even here in this particular moment, all right, something is happening inside of David. The reason why he's even looking somewhere else and he allows this because we see that it's not I, like would it have been that bad for David to be on the rooftop, kind of hanging out and 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 so, you know. I don't know. Like, if you know anything about, the, uh, you know, their culture back then, that's just kind of, you, you bathed on your roof. You didn't have, like, bathrooms in your home, okay? It wasn't like 2018 you know, and everybody's got their own bathroom, you know, and, and shower curtains and stuff like that. You, you bathed up on a roof because most people can't see you when you're up on your roof, all right? Now, David could because David lived in the palace, and the palace was bigger than everybody else's house, all right? So David's hanging out. He's, I don't even know if this would have even been written about if all David was doing was hanging out on his roof and he happened to see somebody bathing. He said, you turn your head and you walk away, right? Um, but something happened inside of him that he, I don't, we don't see the progression that happens inside of his mind. We don't hear about the progression that happens, but something happens inside of his mind that when he sees this person bathing on the rooftop, he begins to think about this, and he begins to think about it so much that it leads him to action. And that's the reason why allowing thoughts that are wrong to dwell in your mind for a long period of time will eventually cause you to do something. You see, if you begin to think about something for a long time, then it begins to set in, okay? Like, for example, depression. We, we deal with depression in our life because we've allowed ourselves to think about hopeless things. And hopeless thoughts sitting in our mind for a long time builds depression in our spirit, all right, and in our soul. 
All right? And so when you think about some, so something along the way here, David is allowing these thoughts to sit inside his mind, and he's thinking about them, and it ends up turning into action. And this action is he begins to inquire, and then he sends his servants to go do the dirty work for him and to bring this woman in. All right? And so, um, you know, what I want to do, though, is, is you know, because we're really not here talking about un- ungratefulness or gratefulness, even though that is something that we could talk about in the context of this, this particular story. What I really want to talk about this, this morning, looking at this story, is, that, um, is this. Um, when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you will eventually do something you're not supposed to be doing. Okay, just the lights are a little brighter, so I can't tell if you're falling asleep or not right now. When When you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you will eventually do something you're not supposed to be doing. All right? Have you ever heard the, the idiom, right? I mean, I think I heard this, gosh, man, if I had like, uh, if I had, you know, a dollar for every time I was told this when I was a kid, right? I mean, I would be in pretty good position, right? The, 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 an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Son, get off your booty. Get out. Go do something. Stop standing around not doing anything. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. I mean, and you kind of grow up, and the truth being known, there's, there's truth to that. Even, I think it's the New Living Translation of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 19, I believe. It actually says that idols hand, idle hands are the devil's workshop. So it actually even says it. That tra- it's the only translation that says it like that, but it's in there, all right? Somehow the New Living Translation gets it. All right, but it, it, there's that, that idiom there that when, when we become idle, when we you know, are, are doing what we're supposed to be doing, and I'll, I'll put it like this, okay? So if we are climbing the mountain of our destiny, all right, we're climbing the mountain of our destiny, and if you are climbing the mountain of your destiny and you're in a car trying to climb the mountain of your destiny and you put that car in idle, you may go forward for a little bit, but you're going to start going backwards really quick, okay? Because you're not going to get anywhere in idle. So uh, when, uh, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you will eventually do something you're not supposed to do, okay? And so I, you know, maybe you're thinking like, well, you know, why, how, where does that come from in relation to the story? Well, if you go back, I don't know if you followed me or not, when we were reading the Bible a second ago in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go off to battle. Okay. Y'all cast that, right? So it is the time of year when kings go off to battle. And David is a king. And David decided, you know what? I'm tired of fighting. I don't feel like fighting. I think today, I think this spring, I'm just going to kick back. I'm going to go chill. I'm going to send Joab and all my people, and they're going to go take care of all my problems for me. All right? And David decided, you know what? I'm not going to do what kings do right now. I'm going to do what I want to do. All right? And so David decided that he didn't want to go off to battle. He decided to kick back and not do what he was supposed to do. And then what did David end up doing? 
That's right. He did something he wasn't supposed to do. All right? So when you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you will eventually do something you're not supposed to do. All right? And this is what we're talking about today. All right? Um, have, you ever, have you ever thought about this? I want you to think about this. Nothing good in your life ever happens on accident. I mean, is there, I mean, maybe there are a couple exceptions. Maybe there are a couple exceptions. Right? But nothing good in your life ever happens on accident. Do you, uh, like when you're in school, kids, do you make good grades on accident? Oh, hey, I just, yeah, I had no idea I was going to make a good grade on that. I just, it's an accident. I mean, right? I mean, when we actually talk about accidents, aren't accidents by nature something like that? Like you, you don't have a, there's no such thing as a good accident in your car, right? Do you have an accident in your car where it makes your car better? I, I don't know. No, at least, I mean, not, I mean, unless angels are involved, you know, somehow manipulating the scene and knocking something back in a position that was out of position that, I don't know, I've I never heard of that before, by the way. Um, like, uh, like, you can do things on accident in your life to create problems and difficulty for you. Um, you can offend somebody on accident. Can you encourage somebody on accident? Oops, I, I didn't mean to encourage that person over there somehow. I, I'm, not, look, I'm not saying that you can do it without knowing it. Because here's the thing. You can live a good life on purpose honoring the Lord and encourage people without knowing it. All right? But you can't really do it on accident. Like, oh, I, you know, I, I'm never, I don't know. Like, that's, you know, why would you do that anyway? Why would... Why would anybody, you know, so like I know like, um, so as a pastor, there's, you know, and it doesn't happen often, it really doesn't even though we talk about it, you know, it's like the, uh, well, the pastor didn't say hey to me today at church, I'm offended. Like that happens on accident, right? I mean, I'm just like going about doing my business, trying to do the best I can, and to reach everybody that I can, and some maybe maybe I'm I'm th- my, my stomach's hurting. I look over here and happen to catch eyes with something. Like the pastor, that was mean. What did he look at me like that for? And I'm like, hey, you know, right? I, but you can't like you can't be like, oh, I didn't mean to smile at you like that. <laughs> that was an accident to let you know that I like you and. I am enjoying seeing you here this morning, right? I mean, nothing, nothing good happens in your life, for the most part, on accident. I mean, you're not going to win the lottery on accident, are you? I mean, you, you didn't buy a lottery ticket on accident. Like, Dad, gummit, I didn't mean to buy that lottery ticket. But hey, I won the lottery on accident. Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen, okay? Now, I mean, there may be chance things that happen. All right, so... Nothing good in your life happens on accident. Nothing good in your life happens on accident. And so when you're looking here at David, I I don't think that David had the intention, like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to go off on war. I'm not going to go off to war this season because I'd like to stay home and be an adulterer. 
I'd like to stay home and commit infidelity. I'd like to stay home and see if I can find me another wife. I don't think that David, David had then no intentions of that. No intentions. He, I don't think that he had evil intentions or wrong intentions by staying home and doing what he did. But the problem was is that David wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And because David wasn't doing what he's supposed to do, it put him in a position where he was tempted to do something he wasn't supposed to do. And I would say the same thing can happen to us, that when we're not doing what we're supposed to do, we can find ourselves in places where we're tempted to do what we're not supposed to do. Um, so this requires some level of intentionality in our life, that we become intentional with the way that we live and the way um, that we act, the decisions that we make in, in, in other areas of our life. Because look, I just, cause you, can't just br- uh, let's, you can't just take a, a brush and give a broad brush in this thing right here. Like, well, you know what? I, I mean, I think, like, if you think about the scope of your entire life. Like, well, I mean, I think I know. I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I mean, I, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm working the job I am right now because I think that God gave me this job, or uh, I live where I am, or I, I, I'm married, and I, I don't know. Like, I have kids. I think I think that I think that I'm doing what God wants me to do right now. Uh, the really the only way to really understand this in the principle and how it works is to really break it down into um, uh, smaller areas of your life, okay? Break it down in the smaller areas of your life. So, um, see, because so if we aren't doing what we're supposed to be doing, when we're supposed to be doing it, what temptation will present itself to us along the way? If we're not doing what we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to be doing it, what kind of temptations are we going to face along the way? Um, maybe the things that, that we're supposed to be doing are um, acting in love towards our spouse, training up our children, working hard at our job, living with generosity, being faithful at church. I don't know, like you could take this in and break this down into every small aspect of your life and you say, what does God want me to be doing right now as it relates to this area of my life? This area of my life. And if you break that down into those into every area of your life, so what does God want you to be doing as it relates to your relationship right now? What does God want you to be doing as it relates to your children right now? What does God want you to be doing as it relates to your finances right now? What does God want you to be doing as it relates to your time right now? What does God want you to be doing as it relates to your faithfulness to the church right now? What is, so in every aspect of our life, I say that God has something that he wants you to be doing in that aspect of your life. So there is a way, so there, there isn't a portion of your life where God is saying, I'm not interested in that portion of your life. 
God's not saying, I'm not interested in your finances. I'm not interested in your time. I'm not interested in your kids. I'm not interested in your marriage. I'm not interested in your job. There's no portion of your life where God says he's not interested. So if God is interested in every portion of your life, that means God says, I have some nuggets for you. I have some plans for you. I have something that you can be doing that is filled with godly wisdom and godly purposes. And if you'll do those things, it'll be filled with God's blessing. And if it's not, all right, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing in that area of your life, you're going to eventually not do, or you're going to eventually do something you're not supposed to do. Mike, if you'll, you'll come on. Nothing happens by accident, right? So you will not have a good marriage on accident. Your kids will not grow up with respect and honor and love God on accident. You do not get promotions on your job by accident. You do not receive financial blessing from God by accident. You do not get uh, connected to the body of Christ, to the church on accident. You do not reach God's purposes for your life on accident. None of these things in your life will happen by accident. They won't happen just because you come to church every now and then. They won't happen just because you want it to happen, all right? None of these things happen by accident. They happen on purpose. They happen with intentionality in your life. And if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you are going to eventually do what you're not supposed to do, all right? So how, how do you make this, you know, I, this is... You know, for, for David, the practicality was is that he wasn't being grateful with what God had already given him. He wasn't satisfied with what God had already given him in his marriage, and then he wasn't doing what God told him to do in that particular season of his life. And both of those things combined put him in a position where he was able to make a decision. Now, understand something. Listen, that yes, we recognize the fact that God looked at David and said, this is a man after my own, God, after my own heart. The rest of the story goes where the prophet Nathan had to come. To, look, David, even after he, look, okay, even after David had done it and she got pregnant, you know the rest of the story, all right? He calls Uriah home from the battlefield, and he says, hey, Uriah, why don't you go hang out with your wife for a couple of days? Let me give you a break, and then you can go back out to the battlefield and fight, knowing that, like, hey, if he goes in there and sleeps with his wife and she has the baby, then he's going to be like, oh, this is my kid. Problem solved. But Uriah says, oh, no, my Lord, I can't go home with my wife while the rest of my fellow warriors are out fighting a battle and all this kind of stuff. So he says, I'm, I'm going to sleep right here on the floor by the doorsteps until you're ready to send me out back out to war. And David's like, Dad, damn it. All right? I mean, come on. Um, so then he goes to plan B, which is a lot worse. Okay? So now he, he's having to cover up all his, his problems, and he sends a message by Uriah, by the way, a letter that was sealed uh, to Joab. It says, hey, Joab, put Uriah on the front of, the, of, the, of our army. I want you to go into battle and then abandon him so he falls at the sword. There's, there's that God-loving, God-fearing king. Sounds like a man after the Lord's own heart. You know, Uriah dies in battle. David ends up marrying um, Bathsheba. 
um, the prophet Nathan ends up coming to, uh, to, to David one day. And David, at this point, you know, when we're talking about days, uh, maybe even months have gone by, and, and this man after God's own heart hasn't even repented of what he's done. He hasn't even recognized the fact that he's made these gross errors in his life. Uh, and Nathan comes to, to David and he says, hey, what, what would you do if there was a guy who had a thousand sheep? And he, his neighbor only had one sheep. And he went to his neighbor and he took the only one that he had um, and, 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 and kept all the others to himself. And, and David said, well, he said, I would kill that man, that ungrateful uh, and Nathaniel looked at him and said, that man is you. That man was you. You did, you did that. Um, it, it was only then that David realized, he, he, the Bible says that he realized what he had done. Scripture says that he repented. Um, you, know, he, you know, he repented before God, and, and we know that God forgave him. We, we know that God forgave him, and, and I think that's one of the that's one of the things that, that we see about David is that he had this contrite heart about him. Even though he, he lived in gross error and gross sin for a while, um, when the prophet actually came to him and said something to him, um, it, uh, uh, you know, it pricked his heart and, and he wanted to be right with God. But I, I'll tell you this, the rest of David's story uh, is a nightmare. Is a nightmare. He has all kinds of problems in his family. Up until this point, everything's fine. And it was after this particular point in his life where he has one of, one of his sons rapes one of his daughters. One of his other sons tries to overthrow him and come in and take the kingdom from him. Uh, he has a tremendous, so you know, his repentance certainly changed his heart and put him in a place where God, you know, he was with God again. But it didn't, it didn't remove the stain of his mistake. And I think one of the things that we have to understand is that, um, you know, when we, when we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing and it leads us to a place where we do something that we're, we're not supposed to do, sure, God can forgive us of those things that we have done, but it doesn't change the problems that come along with those decisions. And genuinely, there's always going to be residual effect for doing the wrong thing in your life, all right, in whatever area that that is. And most of the time, we, uh, we see this even in the church. We, we blame God for problems in our life that we have created. Uh, you know, why hasn't God delivered me from these issues in my life? Why hasn't God um, delivered me from my financial struggle? Why hasn't God delivered me from my, my mental unstableness? And, and a lot of these things are created by our disobedience to what God wants us to do, what God wants us to be doing. And when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, we'll eventually do something we're not supposed to do. And, and we have to recognize that in our life. And so what is it that, that God wants you to do? What is it that God wants you to be doing in your relationship, in your marriage? What does God want you to be doing um, in uh, in your finances, what does God want you to be doing with your children? What does God want you to be doing at your workplace and in your job? 
And I think that if you can pray and you can ask God, say, God, what it is, because in the time when I'm supposed to be raising my children, okay, I don't need to be sitting around not doing what God wants me to do. In the time when I'm supposed to be working hard at my job, the job that God has given me so that I can do my best and I can honor the people that I work for, it's not time for me to show up late or to check out early or to come with a bad attitude or to work lazily or slowly. In the time when I'm supposed to be loving my wife and in my relationship, my husband, it's not, I'm not supposed to be looking for somebody else or thinking ungrateful thoughts or maybe it would be better if I was somewhere else. In the time when I'm supposed to be honoring the Lord with my time at church, I'm not supposed to be, well, today I just don't feel like getting up. I'd rather lay around today. It's been such a long week. I think I'll just sleep in. You know, and, and all of these things are things that God says that we're supposed to be doing. And if we decide that we're going to do something else, we put ourselves in a position where we may do something that we're not supposed to be doing. Whatever that is. You know, because maybe, maybe you say, well, I, don't know. I mean, can I really do something I'm not supposed to be doing by not going to church on Sunday mornings? Uh, maybe. I mean, right? I mean, maybe it's watching something on TV you're not supposed to watch or looking at something on the computer you're not supposed to look at or maybe, maybe it's just simple as a thinking thoughts you're not supposed to think that if you would have gone to church, you would have heard something about that and you wouldn't be thinking those thoughts no more, right? Look, I, I would say probably this. I, I, and I, the days in your life where you really, really don't want to go to church, I mean, you know those days exist, right? You just don't want to go. Oh, see, you bunch of liars, okay? Because why I'm the pastor and sometimes I don't even want to come, okay? <clears throat> All right, look, that, those are the days you need to be there the most, those are the days where the enemy is working overtime to say, you know, I really don't want them to do that because I know what God has planned for them. He doesn't want you here, all right? It, those days in your life where you really don't want to pray, you really don't want to read, you really don't want to love, you don't really want to train, you don't really want to go to work, those are the days you probably need to do it the most and do it the hardest and do it the best because those are the days where the enemy is working hard on you for a reason. Maybe it's to destroy your reputation. Maybe it's to destroy um, your, your attitude, your frame of mind, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. But it, and it's not always going to be infidelity like it was with David. But the lesson that we can learn here okay, is that we're not, when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, we'll eventually do something we're not supposed to do. God has something he wants you to be doing in every aspect of your life. And when you, when you say, you know what, I'm just not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. Then you'll find yourself doing something you're not supposed to be doing. And you say, well, I, you know, it's not sin. a sin. But, look, like, okay, do, do we know what sin is? And I'm going to end right here. I promise. I promise I'm not going to chase any more rabbits. Do, do we know what sin is? The, the Ten Commandments, disobeying the Ten Commandments, all right, so I, this is going to be weird, but, to, but disobeying the Ten Commandments is not the sin that I'm talking about. I mean, in theory, it is sin because you're not doing what God tells you to do. The Bible says that anyone, Scripture, New Testament Scripture says that anyone who doesn't do what Jesus tells you, the Holy Spirit tells you to do, sins. Okay? So if, if, if the Holy Spirit says go over there and hug that person and encourage them, and you don't do it, the Bible says you sin. Well, that's not in the Ten Commandments. That's not in the Bible. What are you talking about? If, 
If the Holy Spirit says to give something to somebody, that homeless person you see on the street, and you don't do it, guess what? The Bible says you've sinned because you haven't done what the Holy Spirit told you to do. Anytime God tells you to do something and you don't do it, you're, you're, you're grieving the Holy Spirit by not doing what he's leading you to do. Right? You're grieving the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, what, that's what sin is, is when we don't do what Jesus tells you to do. Because now, listen, we don't live under the old covenant anymore. The old covenant was the law. The old covenant was, you know, thou shalt not do this, and you better not do this, and all these kinds of things. And while those do help set a standard for us, the, 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 the dispensation of grace that we live in is far above that. When Jesus said, you've heard it say, do not murder, I say, do not hate. You've heard it say, do not commit adultery, I say, do not lust. You've heard, yeah, so it, he's, he says it's, it's, it's higher than that. Why? Because now we're under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so everything in our life should be done under leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we honor the Lord. And that's how we know that we're being obedient to him. And guess what? So the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you to go commit adultery. He's not going to tell you to go commit murder. He's not going to tell you to hate somebody. He's not going to tell you to lust. So if you follow the Holy Spirit, he's going to be right in line with what God wants you to do anyways. You don't have to worry about the letters of the law. You don't have to worry about, what well, does the Bible say? I don't, I, you can't do this. <clears throat> no, if you, if you follow the Holy Spirit in your life, you don't have to worry about any of those things. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will guide you in perfect relationship with Christ. He will guide you so that you can live a righteous and holy life before the Lord. And you can honor him in every area. And I believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to you. What are you not doing right now in any area of your life that God has told you to do? It's time for you to start doing it today. It's time for you to start doing it today. Right? We'd be like David. Say, you know what, God? I'm sorry. Forgive me today. I, I need to start doing better. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to have it all figured out. It doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes along the way. Because those things happen. But you say, you know what, today I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be intentional. I'm not going to sit and idle anymore in my life and allow myself to do things I'm not supposed to do. Come on, will you stand to your feet this morning? Hallelujah.